hang on a minute. What are we even talking about today? Oh, honey, we're giving the people what they want. Two, three, four. Welcome back to number of nine. We're the den mothers that you think are fine. <laughs> number nine, we're so fine. We're here to have you all the time. <laughs> okay, wonderful. Welcome back to episode number nine, Wolfpack. And also, happy freaking September. Yes, happy September. It is September. It is happy September when we launch this, and today's episode is going to be fantastic. Please, please, please do not forget to follow us on Instagram. Our combined podcast account is at The Den Mothers. This is where we launch some questionnaires. We launch new episodes, different content, and we love for you all to follow along and stay updated. Also, do not forget to follow our personal pages at SheWolfLauren and at Camille Misbach for our other endeavors. Along with this, it really helps us when you all rate and comment on our podcast. So whatever podcast streaming network you're, you're listening on, please just hit that five-star button, hit that follow button, and hit a little comment if you feel up for the challenge. Uh, we love to hear back from you. Our Wolfpack means a lot to us, and we love to hear that you all are connecting with this content. So please do not forget that. Follow us on YouTube, uh, any podcast streaming networks you love. And I think that is the end of my rant for today. So welcome back to episode nine. We love you all so much. Happy Wednesday. Welcome to the Sexton. Ow, ow, ow! <laughs> whoop, whoop, whoop! Yay! Yeah. I'm so excited. Lauren is stateside, you guys, even though sh we're not together, which doesn't make any, sense. any freaking sense. It's so sad. But where are you now, kiddo? Well, right now I'm in a little cabin up in Julian, California. It's just, I think it's due east, due east of San Diego. It is due northeast. It due is. Northeast. It's, yeah, it's such a beautiful little town. It is a really beautiful little town. And it's they're known for their pies. And there was yes, they are during the gold rush over in the 1870s. <laughs> it was it became, it became a point on the map because there was gold here. So I'm going to go to the gold rush museum. So not only is Lauren stateside, she's also a history buff. <laughs> I love history. It's my favorite. And I'm so excited. Yeah. So uh, Shane lived here for a while and he has this thing for Julian. And so we were driving home from mom's the other day and he said, let's go to Julian for a couple of days. I was like, all right, so fun. So we're here. I'm loving yeah. it. It's a blast. And I have a view of green trees, which is my favorite. That is so fun. Michael and I actually had a really fun week up in Julian and had a very spiritual Great week right before we got married, actually. So this is just a strange little thing that most people don't know. But Michael and I were going to elope in Hawaii. And Lauren was going to be there. And then uh, Michael's best friend was going to be there. But we were just going to leave all the family out of it. Just get married on like a nude beach in Hawaii. Uh, it got canceled because of COVID. Because yes. active military couldn't fly. So we ended up staying in California and getting married up at my parents in Temecula. But we already had the week off. So we're like, let's just make a little trip out of it. And we rented this kind of weird little cabin and Julian, <laughs> it was spiritual, scary, fun, emotional. Our best friends came and saw us. It was, it was a freaking blast, but it was actually really fun to spend a week just doing a little trip before marriage. People usually do it after like a honeymoon thing, but I really liked it before. Yeah, it's a pretty wild thing. All my trips right now are before marriage. It's so fun. Our pre-marriage. <laughs> <laughs> I just love it. Yes, they are. So we're so excited to have Lauren back stateside. Well, Camille, and Camille, excuse me, I have something to say. I'm raising my yeah. hand. I love the boobies behind you. I know. I'm realizing because of the angle on the couch, uh, there are just some boobies. 
I have now made an art wall. Gosh, you are just so good at those women. I've made an art wall of my creations and yes, I'm still painting. And the thing about art is the thing about (laughs) when you become an artist, maybe this is something (laughs) to become Van Gogh. You are putting in a lot of time (laughs) right before you get asked to paint the Sistine Chapel. You, It's, you are uh, so deep into it. <laughs> okay. I think along with this, I'm going to make a disclaimer. And <laughs> I, like I said, such an appreciation for artists. Yes. <laughs> right now, I think I need to explain this to my husband uh, and maybe to the crowds. The <laughs> art crowds. will not be art will not be my career. It is a passion to express emotion for me right now. I'm feeling very connected to it just because I'd sort of lost this child, inner child in me. So I think a lot of things are coming back up for me, like singing and dancing and um, doing art. It's just making me feel like a kid again. I'm getting in touch with kind of things that I lost in transitioning into becoming an adult and like having a career and stuff. So this is a very fun passion project for me, but I, I'm not an aspiring artist. It's just something I'm enjoying. (laughs) So what you're telling me is you're not going to have like a career doing art. No, I don't think I'm having a career doing art. I think I'll maybe incorporate it in some maybe healing sessions Mm -hmm. that I do with people um, because I do think it's really important to be able to express in a different form other than just verbally. So I think art's a great form of that. Um, But no, I'm not becoming an artist unless people start enjoying them and wanting to buy them, then I'll happily sell them because I do love painting but Mm. it's just right now it's for me it's very fun it's it's very creative so I think I should say that yep and number one Lauren how has your week been being back stateside it's been a pretty crazy week for you it has been a crazy week for me I got home on what day was that Wednesday or was it you got back on Wednesday no you got back Wednesday night Yeah. So I got back Wednesday night. We're recording this on Monday. So I've been home for almost a week and Mm -hmm. you know, I'm in a very interesting place mentally right now where it feels like I was trying to explain this this morning. Um, and I'm going to try not to go on too much of a tangent, but it feels like all of the words that I've been using to describe me and to describe my experiences no longer apply to my state of being at this, in this moment. And so I I'm feeling kind of perpetually frustrated because it's like, I I almost don't want to talk about what's going on with me, which is a weird thing because I'm, I'm trying to formulate what the actual message is and how to best articulate how I'm feeling. Cause I'm going like, I didn't realize until this relationship with Shane, how much shit I had about like self-worth specifically relating to a romantic partner. So like, we'll talk about this today. I know during our topic, but like even just different relationship dynamics, feeling committed to somebody, feeling devoted to somebody, like loving myself and allowing myself to be all of myself in a relationship is something new for me because I always felt like I had to hold back these massive expressive parts of me or it would maybe scare somebody away, you know? Yeah. So um, my week has been a lot of like reactivations. I don't think I told the listeners, but I did Bufo again in Tulum. You did not tell the listeners. I didn't talk about it. No. So I, I did Bufo for my fourth time in Tulum right before we left. And we kind of decided to come back on a whim and it ended up being perfect timing. But I think that I'm just a little bit, I just feel a little bit ethereal. I feel a little bit in the clouds, but, but also I, I'm so happy. I'm, I've never laughed as much. I've never been as confident. I've never been, I'm literally having the best orgasms of my whole life because I'm so present and in pleasure. And like, Mm -hmm. I feel fucking fantastic. And I just don't really know how to describe everything that's been going on for me because it's been so magical. Like it, it feels not human. So I'm coming into earth kind of, and not really at the same time. Is that okay? That sounds great. 
And that's really all it needs to be. I feel like sometimes in your, in a journey, and I felt like this too, after I did Bufo, it's like, I was saying all these lessons about healing and all this stuff. And then also I was in a really bad place. And it's like, I feel like you can still speak truth and truths that will help others, even if you're not feeling exactly that way in that moment. So it's like, Hey, I know how to talk about healing thyself. uh, And also I'm still healing a lot of shit inside me. So I think that's important. And I think a lot of people who are healers are also doing a lot of healing. It's like, do we ever stop healing? No, because there are little traumas throughout your whole life. And I feel like it's important to share knowledge and Sometimes I think when you have that type of experience like Bufo, it feels like, wow, I know all this truth and I need to speak of this truth, truth, truth. And you're also still trying to digest it. So it's like, hey, try to be earthside and also relay all your extraterrestrial messages. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, so it's it's a weird balance. It's that. And also I feel a responsibility to my following. Like I haven't announced even on Instagram that Shane and I are together, right? Like it doesn't feel right yet. So I've just talked about it on the podcast, but he and I talk about like, we don't even know how to do a post because our, our story of love is so deep. (laughs) It's like this really intense healing journey. And also us like finding ourselves in each other. You know, because he and Mm -hmm. I have a really unique situation where we are pretty much the same person. And I never thought that I would be with someone who is a mirror so much to me. It's this really wild experience. So I'm just in the present moment. I've barely been on Instagram. Like, I barely want to talk to people. I just I've been not responding to text messages because I'm just like, I can't. I'm I'm holding so much space for myself right now. And that's where I'm at. I think it's important too, is that when you find something so deep, sometimes we just have to realize as people like words just don't do it justice. Like you Mm. can explain as much as you want, but that is the beauty of feeling loved and valued. Like you're supposed to is like other people aren't going to connect with that. And also people just, sometimes people just might not ever understand until they feel that type of connection. So it's almost the lack of words is sometimes better than having to over explain, you know, that's yeah. the beauty in it. And sometimes I feel like when people try to over explain and they're, you know, telling all, all these cool things and blah, blah, blah. It's like, sometimes it's actually not even serving them for the best. And I guess this is a little bit of a rant, but <laughs> when people are trying to prove like that their love is the right one, it's kind of like, what is wrong there? Mm. I don't know. I know when people are over telling their story, like they Uh want you to see it and see it and see it. It's like, yeah, I've been an oversharer forever. I've been so transparent by default, not because I've Mm -hmm. had to like practice authenticity and, and transparency. It's like, oh no, people, my followers, my wolf pack are coming along with me on all these different transitions in life. And so that's what I meant by, I feel this responsibility to share what's going on. And also every time I try to pen something, every time I try to write something, it isn't coming out. Like it it isn't feeling like my actual experience. So I'm just kind of retreating until the right words come to me. And so that's a new experience for me to not push myself to express. It's sort of just like the more I feel secure in myself, the less I need to tell my own story. That's how it feels. So of yeah, course I'm going to share it. Of That's what I'm, I'm saying. It, yeah. But. It's like, it's almost like the only post that needs to be said is like, I love I'm him. in deeper love than I ever have felt before. Yeah. The end. The end. This is my best friend and my partner for life. The end. The end. <laughs> and it's also like not having to people please and like do your story justice. Sometimes you feel like validation comes in the form of having to share everything. And this thing, this thing doesn't need to be validated. You just know in your heart. That's so it, sis. That's so it. (laughs) And let that, what Camille just said, I love to just give permission. It's one of the things that I do in my coaching. Like let Mm -hmm. this experience that I'm having be permission for you to not have to tell everybody everything all the time. 
Like when mm-hmm. you're going through something and especially because if you're experiencing something that's so deep and so profound and so beautiful and like divine, otherworldly, whatever it is. And this is really what we're, we're talking about this today too. Like this is yeah. part of the weekly update. It's like when you go to tell your friends or you go to tell your family, it can be actually, it can cheapen the experience for you because people don't understand. They're going to listen, not all people, but people can only receive information from where they are. So when you try to share and try to share and you're like, hey, validate me, validate me, listen to my story, listen to how important this is to me. Sometimes you realize the only person you need to validate that with is you and maybe your partner. Yes, that is exactly right. I absolutely have that experience. It's like sometimes the explanation just isn't even worth it. No, but yeah. How are you? How are you, Cammie? I just took up a lot of that. Oh, my week has been very good. I feel like the more I set boundaries for myself, the more I'm coming into my body again, and I'm not dissociating as much. And it feels like I'm very excited. I have my first body work and acupuncture appointment this week. Mm -hmm. And um, this weekend, Michael and I had a really fun staycation in Long Beach. We saw this incredible incredible burlesque show called little miss nasty the sexiest show we had a fun date night we drove up pacific coast highway um stopped in laguna just we did we just took time for ourselves it was really fun we stopped just to walk on the beach a little bit and then stopped for dinner and it was just a really good weekend and yeah it was great so I've been really good I've been doing nothing and giving myself a lot of permission to do nothing and by doing nothing it's also kind of old language for me because I always thought doing nothing was um, not okay. I realize now this idea of me giving myself time to process everything and just do art or watch. I've just been watching this show that Lauren and I used to watch when we were younger, which is really cute. (laughs) And just doing that and journaling more, sitting there and giving myself time to write out my thoughts is doing something. Mm. It's just doing stuff that I wouldn't have given myself time for in the past. So I'm, I'm opening up to allowing myself to focus on more spiritual practices. And that for me is so important. And it's really helping in my healing. So I've been going on some runs and spending more time. It's so funny because even with my anxiety, like going on runs to me is different now. Mm-hmm. I used to, I used to go on a run as fast as I could time, how fast I was going, get my miles in. And that was a form of control. I'm noticing on runs, I go to the beach and I specifically now take time to take off my shoes and walk on the beach with my feet in the water. Mm-hmm. And it's funny things like that I used to do such as, Oh, I don't want to get my feet dirty. Or when I would want to go swimming, Oh, I just don't really want to get my hair wet. It's right. like, I was almost avoiding these grounding practices, which are so simple. So I haven't been practicing meditation, but I'm doing movement meditation, which running, walking, spending a lot of time on the water and everything just feels good. (laughs) Everything feels good. I love that. And I want to, I want to give a little bit of like guidance coaching here. It's one of the things that I do with my clients and it's like, yo, go get dirty. I mean it. Get dirty. Go Go get dirty. Go climb a fucking tree. Like go Uh do something, get dirt in your hands. Camille was having so much trouble grounding. And I said, Camille, she was, she was so much in her head. And I said, Cammie, go to the park, literally shove your third eye directly into the dirt. Like put your head in the dirt. And we were cracking up thinking about like doing a headstand with your head completely (laughs) underground, like whatever it was. <laughs> doing a spinning dreidel. <laughs> but but yeah. seriously, get dirty. Take your shoes off. Go actually walk in mud. Like do things that our primal ancestors would have done. Do yes. Like, get your no. in do you a know what place it is? of like earthy abundance. 
you know what it is? Do stuff that your child self would have done. Yes. It is so crazy how much we reject certain stuff of, as we grow up. I remember you even seeing kids at the beach burying their bodies in the sand. That is so hilarious to me now. And I was literally thinking about doing that the other day. I thought it would be so funny it's to so do fun. that. It's so yeah, fun. So, so I have done lately, one of, me and one of my girlfriends went skinny dipping at night for the full moon. The other day at sunset, I was just feeling so off in my body and Michael and I were just sitting here and I said, Hey babe, I'm going to go dive into the bay. Yeah. (laughs) So I just walked over in my swimsuit with flip-flops and just dove into the freezing water, get dirty, get actually into nature. I mean, it really has helped me. Yeah. Really helped me. It feels so good. Just taking your shoes off. I mean, just things we never do. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I love it. It's oh. so, it's so important. Yeah. Yeah. This was a long weekly update and I'm glad it was because so much is coming up for me this week. Me too. Um, so much has been coming up. I think since last episode too, I want to just thank everyone for hearing our stories and how many people wrote in saying that they really connected to it about following your dreams. Mm-hmm. I just want to say to everyone, we are our own worst enemy. I asked this to one person who messaged in and I said, what's stopping you from leaving? And she said, me, and I know it's me and I'm just figuring it out. So, so many people are going through this, um, healing journeys in relationships and jobs. And we want to talk a little bit deeper today on healing and what that means, because I've had this come up a few times. One of my good girlfriends who's on a really deep spiritual journey the past couple of years, she told me, when you're changing, it's crazy how you can even start breaking away from your friends. Like you don't even, you don't break away from habits. You're also breaking away from friends. So we want to touch a little bit today on healing, uh, what parts of you you're healing, what you might not even know you're healing from, and then things to expect in your healing journey. Um, and then after this, we want to talk about different relationship styles today and talk about, I mean, that's a part of healing as well. So I think we have a lot of good content and let's kick it off, Lauren. What have you noticed? What have you, what have we been noticing recently with our healing journeys? (laughs) So a couple of things. It's like when you are on a healing, first of all, I think we should define what a healing journey is. And I don't even have a solid definition for it, but we say it all the time. And I think what a Mm -hmm. healing journey is, is going deep into your body and starting to remedy the, starting to remedy the spiritual, emotional bodies that live within you that are causing you pain and that are causing you like frustration, anxiety, pain in any form. So all of the things that our bodies hold on to, a healing journey is essentially shaking that up, opening your heart, opening your possibilities, believing in yourself again, self-love, different modalities with like plant medicine, massage, but really healing healing the body. Wherever you're feeling tension in response to spiritual, physical, emotional damage, healing that. Yes. And I think it's important to say too, that before we, our bodies heal from that, we first need to discover it, what's happening through our mind and our soul. And to some people and to everyone that's going to be in a different form, it can either be in therapy, plant medicines, uh, doing deep trauma work, doing yoga, connecting with your body. I mean, there are so, yes, breath work. There are so many different ways to start in your healing journey. I have a friend who had a near-death experience and that for her sparked a healing journey, which has taken her years because she realized she needed to heal from so so many things. And I think my favorite way to describe a a healing journey after what I've been going through, which for the past couple months has been a healing journey for me is anything you are doing to become the highest version of yourself. Okay. Healing from past trauma. So you can be present and you can focus on, on what's the best for you. Yes. I love what you said about presence. And also, I guess to sum it up for me, 
it's living in pursuit of my truth. And my truth is changing, but my truth is when I'm feeling the most aligned with my actions and my beliefs. Like, yes. So it's really difficult. Like I've been saying, living in your truth, speaking your truth for so long. I didn't know jack shit about my own truth. I literally didn't know because I was lying to myself. I was like people pleasing so much, which people pleasing is actually a form of lying because you're doing Mm -hmm. things for other people and you're not living in your own truth. Right. So Mm -hmm. there's like, I guess living in pursuit of my truth would be how I would summarize my healing journey is like, what is true to me? And if something isn't feeling good, that's an indicator. Like, all right, you've got something here. What is this? What is this little thing? And then I overcome that. And it's like, oh, okay. I'm feeling more in my truth. I totally agree with that. I love that. So now that we've established what that is for us, I think that one of the things that has been really shocking to me or not so shocking, but just difficult to deal with is expecting that during your healing, other people are just going to automatically come along for the ride. Like Mm -hmm. we just expect, or we just think like, oh, obviously like there is nothing more important to me than pursuing my truth. Like I literally went into debt for five fucking years (laughs) in pursuit of my truth. I didn't know Uh it. I didn't know I was on a healing journey, but that's actually what I was doing is I was not doing anything or trying a million things and just being like, well, like I'm trusting the timing of my life. That's all I know how to do right now. But people were super confused about that. Like people, it was really hard for my family, for my grandma, for people to understand what I was doing, right? And so there there comes a point where you just have to sink in to the knowing that people are not always going to understand you. And you are not on this planet to be understood. You are on this planet to pursue what brings you joy. Thank you for that. Holy shit. That is such a great way to kick this off because after listening to last week's episode about following your dream, I couldn't stop thinking about shit. I forgot to tell some, I forgot to tell the listeners this and now is such a great time to say it. When you're in pursuit of following your dreams, like Lauren said, not everyone is going to be on board. No. And for people who are people pleasers, which I now strongly identify with being a people pleaser in the form of going crazy partying and sticking to my plan that was so stable and good for everyone, my societal corporate America plan. When I left that, people were shocked. People are still shocked. I'm still shocked. It not only takes you time to get over that you are leaving this stable plan you have for yourself, but not everyone is going to be on board. Nope. I had people questioning why I was starting businesses with my husband, why I would leave such a stable position making so much money. Um, What was I going to do now? How am I going to make money? You have to be prepared for that. And sometimes it comes in the form of people that you wouldn't be expecting. And then unfortunately, we've talked about this before. What other choice do you have? You, you do not live your life for others. And for a long time, treat others how they want to be treated. Yes. Treat yourself how you want to be treated though. (laughs) I mean, living your truth without feeling like you're hurting Mm. others, that's some powerful shit. Mm. And it is hard to do, but it's a part of the healing. So it's part of the healing. And also, I think that especially if you're in a position where you don't have kids yet, maybe you're not married, maybe you have a partner Mm -hmm. or something. Like, I think about this when I'm on this journey. I don't have kids. Cammy doesn't have kids. But I just think about how important this is and how urgent it is. Like I place, when I think about my priorities in my life, it's like, okay, you know, I actually have my priorities written down and I have them as my screensaver, but that feeling and like this healing is so important for me to do before I have kids, because I do not want to impose on them. Like they're going to have shit that everybody, every life has a journey. Every life has shit. Every life is mm-hmm. nobody's void of trauma or conflict. Right. 
And if mm. you are, that becomes your conflict is like, if you haven't dealt with anything, it becomes your conflict. It's, I, I identify with that. But this, this is priority number one. This is how we make the world a better place. We get so obsessed with what is our purpose? What's next? What am I, what am I contributing to the world? The, the most important for you to contribute to the world is your own joy. And you need that when you're raising yep. a family, when you're having kids, when you're pursuing love is it's like, have you found your joy? Because that is yeah. literally the only thing that matters. If you can, if you are in a privileged position to pursue joy and to pursue love, I don't understand what can be more important than that for the betterment yep. and for the healing of every single person on this planet. What we need is not more wealthy people. We need happy people. We need people who yeah. are loving other people. So um, I don't know how this happened where I just started screaming about that, but uh, <laughs> no, that is so important. Wait, before we change the subject though, because you strayed, but I love your stray because I was thinking about this this weekend when we were asked, why do you want to have kids? And Michael and I seriously, from the bottom of our hearts, what it feels like is we are going to, because we are focused on our love and healing and being joyful people, because we have the privilege to do so feels like the universe needs more of those people. And I'm so excited to bring kids into the world and allow them to pursue joy and happiness mm -hmm. and give that back to the universe. And it's like, is that selfish to want kids because it brings us joy? I guess so. I, I can see how it becomes selfish. That was a conversation we had this weekend. And also, isn't it, it, I feel like it's more selfish to not be able to spread this love and joy any further than just the two of us. It feels like I'm ready to allow our kids to see that people need to see that. Mm. <laughs> and then we, I go, sorry, ahead. go ahead. Go ahead. No, you go ahead. ahead. Okay. One more thing. And that I, I think it's a very simple mindset, but I actually am so thankful for this now my dad says this, and I think that this is the older I get, the more special it me it, it means to me, the more special it means to me. Does that make sense? It's more. No, it doesn't. The more special it is to no. me, the more special it is to me. Uh, all he says is my one goal in life was to have you and your sister turn out just a little bit better than me. Mm. And it's like, shit, I feel like that is so important in the view of having children. And I don't know how we even got on the topic of having children, but either. just, just wanting the next generation to be a little bit happier, a little bit better than us yeah. feels like it's the purpose of the universe. I don't know. Man. <laughs> to end on a, a little bit of a funnier note, Michael and I, the other day were talking <laughs> Is he home? about, about our four kids. No, he's not. Oh. Home yet. And I was like, Lauren's kids. I mean, they don't have much, <laughs> much of a chance on the height scale, but they're going to be these stocky. They're going to be so strong. And Michael goes, we're going to need to get our kids in like jujitsu or something. So they don't get beat up by their cousins. <laughs> jitsu. somebody really tall because I'm like there's no way that I can have like they don't deserve um <laughs> to just be like short and muscly but that's exactly what's gonna happen they're probably no gonna they're be, like, gonna five, be four bricks <laughs> yeah they're gonna be so strong we need to get them in track and field um okay so going back to trauma though I, I want to before we start talking somehow about children um I did want to touch on something you said earlier and it was expecting not everyone to understand. And then I also want to build on that and say, when you're on a self-love, self-healing journey, it's also not your responsibility to try and make everyone around you have a self-healing journey. Oh, yes. And I think that's really important because I think as you start healing, it's all you want to do is talk about it. And I've talked to Shane about this. 
at a certain point, it actually kind of feels like a king doesn't have to say they're a king, Mm -hmm. if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. So you don't always have to be justifying and talking about how you're healing and, oh, well, you need to heal from this. And that's not your purpose. You can help guide people and you can talk about your journey. Of course, if they ask you, if they notice something in you, you can talk about it. It's Mm -hmm. really beautiful. But you also need to give others space and time and recognize everyone is on their own journey. Just because you all of a sudden are more aware and you can see what other people need to heal from, it doesn't make it your responsibility. What your responsibility is, is to continue your own self-healing journey and also being able to set boundaries with other people. And I think that became really important for me is, my capacity for taking on people's emotions decreased when I started my self-love yeah, journey. Because you're holding so much space for you. It's like, how can you possibly, yes. yeah. And I have held so much space for others in the past and I can't wait to get back to that again. But it's really important to give yourself time and not feel guilty about not being able to be there for other people. Like Mm -hmm. you are allowed to take time for yourself and set boundaries and say, hey, I just honestly don't have the capacity for this conversation. I can't talk about this again. And other people they might not respect that and think like, okay, well, you're just being really selfish just because you're on your own. But you know what? You're not living to serve. You're Um, not living to, yeah, to serve others. I mean, mm -hmm. right now you're focused on you. So stick with your journey and also realize like this comes up a lot for parents and grandparents. I've noticed for us is uh, you give them time to do them to do their healing because they're on a different time frame. You just kind of have to accept that and mm-hmm. recognize that you are healing for you and them and just allow them to do it on their own time. So yeah, stick with your journey, even when people around you don't get it. <laughs> it's exactly right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Stick with your journey. Keep following your heart and like, just honor the shit out of your intuition. Like just keep going. And also it's not your responsibility to tell others where they need to heal. Cause especially yep. within your family. Yeah. No focus on you, boo focus on you. Yeah. And it's that's, that's it's not your responsibility is that I like to know everything. So I'll be like, I see this in you. I know that you need to heal this. Cause I have it in me too. Yeah. And it's not my responsibility. And it's also, it's none of my business where they are on their healing journey. Let people none come of to your you. business. Hello to our wolf pack. This is part two of episode number nine, which is the first time this has ever happened to us. But yesterday, because of multiple events, we had to stop recording. So we are picking it up today. And you know what? Yesterday and today have both been a little strange for us. Lauren was on a little bit of a, you know, self-healing downer yesterday. (laughs) And I have been on a self-healing downer today. (laughs) So the energy is strange. Yesterday, we were ranting a lot. I am making no promises that we aren't going to rant again today. Right. But hopefully, hopefully we're still concise. And this is info that you guys can all take in and handle appropriately. (laughs) So yesterday we covered some healing ancestral trauma, you know, other things about following your dreams, what to expect from your healing journey. Today, we are going to dive into or today as in part two of this episode, we are going to talk about different relationship styles. And this is something that comes up for us a lot. Um, Lauren specifically has been in multiple different styles of relationships. And this is something that's come up now in my marriage with my obviously life partner and Lauren and her new relationship. So we're talking open relationships, poly, monogamy, and hopefully just going to do a little intro and uh, talk about what's right for you. So this is probably going to be part one of this relationship style because there's just so much to dive into in this subject. But let's just let's just kick it off. What do you say, Lou? You want to you want to start with the explanation? Yeah, I think that's good. And I, I like the idea of this being a part one, because I think what would be really cool is to have like a Q&A session from the from our wolf pack, like put up a Q&A yes. and have people ask different questions about open relationships and about different relationship styles. And then we can just dive in and answer them basically for a whole episode. I think it would be really helpful for people. Yes. So I think um, so too. 
Okay. So as far as open relationships go, I was really public about my previous open relationship. And a lot of people would ask me like, what is an open relationship? How do I know if it's right for me? And the answer is open relationships are, it's really like an umbrella term for any kind of relationship style that is not two people pretty much like forever. (laughs) Like monogamy means just you are dedicated to one person and one person only. And open relationships are kind of the idea that like there are more than two people in the in the partnership. And so mm-hmm. um, for the point, like for, for today, I think it's important to say too that I'm going to be talking in binary. So I'm going to use man, woman for the relationship yes. contexts. But this can be gay, lesbian, bi, trans, like any person Anything. can obviously Non-binary. be in different relationships. Yeah. Yep. Um, Okay, so open relationships, overall term, that looks different for every single partnership. I have so many friends and have experienced so many people just in general who consider themselves to be in open relationships. And that can range anywhere from like having an occasional threesome with your partner to being a full-blown swinger or to being polyamorous or to being, I think, even polygamous is considered like some kind of open relationship style, which is very different from any of the things that we're talking about today. But um, Mm -hmm. overall, the main ones are open relationships. (laughs) And then polyamory (laughs) is like the key term Mm -hmm. right now that a lot of people are talking about. And polyamory Mm -hmm. is essentially, even within that, there are so many different ways that you can be polyamorous. But imagine like swinging and open relationships is more about like the physicality of things. It's more about sex and the actual physical components of it. And then polyamory does typically include having sex with more than one partner, but it also opens the doors typically for much deeper loving relationships with more than one person. So imagine yeah. like I can even just use – um my relationship for an example, like if Shane and I were polyamorous, Shane would be my primary partner. And then outside of that, I could have like, I mean, it would depend on what we talked about, but typically it would be Mm -hmm. Shane would be my primary partner. And then I would have like other boyfriends or be engaged in other relationships, maybe a girlfriend, if I were more bisexual, that um, were kind of like little branches off of our primary partnership that's polyamory yes so yeah and I think that thank you for the perfect intro for this I think the main thing to hit on today is that when you open when you mention being in an open relationship everybody puts it under I I think the, the majority of the population at least puts it under one term which is just you get to fuck whoever you want and right. you know, you're doing it because you want to be able to do what you want and also have a relationship. So you want to have your cake and eat it too. Right. But I think it's just so much deeper than that. Like it, it's ongoing communication and conversation about what you want physically, which that changes over your lifetime. And I think that it's really important to start out this conversation with saying you should be having this conversation in any relationship where you feel like this could be long-term because your sexual preference is just as as important as your food preferences, your religious purposes, your time you spend with family and friends. Like it's such a huge component of a relationship. And Mm -hmm. for you to never talk about, I was kind of realizing the other day, even in a lot of monogamous relationships, it's never talked about. Right. You just kind of get in a relationship and it's just assumed like, well, yeah, we're going to be monogamous, but yeah. If you're thinking in a lifetime partnership, I do think it's important to at least come up with the conversations or have a conversation of like, hey, sexually long term, like for the next 50 to 80 years, <laughs> what are you looking <laughs> for? Because when you put it in terms like that, it does open up the conversation a little bit more. So um, well, open, com- think- open communication and conversations. Yeah. And I think, too, that like 
I really like the idea of having intentional conversations about this because I think that what happens, yeah. especially in today's day and age, there's so there is a lot of confusion and uh, I feel like anytime we go into a relationship assuming anything, there's so much more of an opportunity for mistrust because you mm-hmm. kind of like create what you're expecting and just assume that the person you're having like this loving relationship with is living by the same set of like rules. You know what I mean? Yeah. Because monogamy, it, it's kind of confusing. Like today I put up a poll – about or I wanted to I actually didn't put this one up but I was gonna put up a poll that's like if somebody if your partner is watching porn behind your back do you consider that cheating and I think that Mm. people would have like if they were hiding it from you you know and it's like I think people would have different answers to that and that's just something that like most people don't talk about like when you get into a relationship I wonder how many people actually ask the person that they're in a relationship with hey do you watch porn like I wonder I don't know Oh, I, I know. Do you know what I mean? Like even I just conversations have, about that. Yeah, I'm thinking about that. I'm like, do I actually? Yes, I do. Uh, I didn't before, though. In like really long term relationships, <laughs> it would probably come up. You know what's interesting too? When we talk about this kind of stuff, you realize how many different styles of even monogamy there are. Mm-hmm. Like, I, it, it's being with a person forever, but. It is down to the very small details like porn. And as an example, Michael and I, I I said this uh, in my weekly update, we went to this really sexy burlesque show. Mm -hmm. And that's just something that I wouldn't even think twice about. Like we were joking about, I was joking about like, I swear to God, if they bring you up on the stage for a lap dance, I'm going to slap them in the face. (laughs) Like just funny jokes because these women were so incredibly beautiful. So we were completely joking about that. But um, I, I was sitting, I was sitting next to this couple and this woman, she asked me, I mean, she was hammered but she's like how long have you guys been together I'm like oh we've been together a couple years how long have you been together she's like 13 years uh married for four years and she's like this is the first time we're ever doing something like this have you ever done something like this together like Mm. for her even going to a a sexy burlesque show was probably out of the norm for them. It was probably pushing the boundaries a little bit on their, you know, sexual relationship. And for me, it was kind of just an awakening of like, oh, wow, no, people aren't having these conversations. Like people are much more restricted in relationships than I even thought because- I guess we've just been around it for so long. It just seems like a normal conversation to have, but (laughs) yeah, I mean, and that's, so that's one of the, I got a question like that on a Q and a that was basically what is one of the perks to being so publicly sexually open? Like what's one of the things that you love about that? And one of the, the, yeah, overwhelmingly the thing that I love about that is that it opens the conversation for me pretty immediately. Like if, even if Shane and I hadn't have been best friends for eight months, like if I was meeting somebody new to date or to be in a relationship with, I don't have the option to not talk about these things because it's what I talk about on a daily basis. You know what I mean? Like I kind of forget that normally, like I like to go back far like 10 years and think about the things that I didn't talk about then and how uncomfortable I would feel about them even just like yes. asking my partner do you like this position or like do you like it oh, when I, I like suck your dick like this you know like those are things that would have made me yeah. so nervous before because I almost didn't want to know the answer like what if the answer is no yeah. and then I'm feeling really ashamed and I don't know how to perform in bed and so yeah like, we're getting a little off topic on the actual open relationship thing, but I think it's important because the conversation around sex, it's not just like talking to your partner about what you like. It's also what makes you uncomfortable, why it makes you feel uncomfortable and everything that has to do with that. If you're considering being in an open relationship or if it's something that you are wanting or you're, you're fantasizing about, you better be damn sure that you're comfortable having the conversations that I'm talking about right now before you even fucking consider 
bringing somebody else in. Like there's absolutely no way that you can go out there and have a successful open relationship or a successful, I'm doing air quotes, like threesome or a successful, you know, hall pass. If you can't even be comfortable talking to your partner about like, (laughs) if they like how you ride them, do you know what I mean? Like, yeah, that's, that's first is have conversations about sex in general. That's such a great point. I was going to say, when you were saying I was, how you were nervous about asking your partner, like, do you like head like that? I was going to say, imagine that question and then imagine the question of, do you ever want to sleep with other people ever again? Like, (laughs) if you can't be comfortable with the small stuff, like that's between the two of you, having that type of huge conversation about what your sexual future is going to look like is seems really scary and it is also you yeah but you also don't have a choice it's one of these other things that it's like I feel like at some point in your life this is gonna come up and you're gonna it's gonna be even worse if it comes up in the future because it's like why didn't you talk about it now why didn't you talk about it then I feel like we have a lot of people write in that say I want to be open and my partner doesn't what do I do and it kind of seems like this should have been a conversation at the very beginning because what can you do if you have a different sexual preference either one partner is gonna sort of be convinced of it and like give it a shot or you have to split up I mean I I don't see how it could go any other way yeah I don't see how it could either I mean, I think that this stuff is so fascinating because these kind of conversations I don't think would have been happening even like 10 years ago. Like if I, you know, because this is, these conversations are becoming more popular and becoming more into the mainstream, there is just a lot less assumption, I guess at least in our circles, uh, a lot less assumption about what a relationship looks like. But yeah, yeah, I mean- I think dating today that if you're not having a conversation about like what the foundation of your relationship is going to look like, then you ain't doing it right, fam. Like you're not doing it right. (laughs) You have to have a conversation about it, in my opinion. Like I can't imagine a world where I just hop into a relationship and just assume that this person only wants to sleep with me for the foreseeable future. Just assuming it. If they do and they want to tell me that, then great. But if it's just assumed or it's assumed that they don't, like that's you're having a recipe for a communication disaster in a couple of months. <laughs> yeah. I wanted to say a couple things. So um, first, monogamy is so ingrained in our culture. And mm-hmm. I think that a lot of people can be shamed. I mean, I have heard so many people say, people are swinging, you know, show me relationships that have lasted long with swingers who are happy. Mm -hmm. And it kind of is like, show me the monogamous people who are happy. Either way, it can go wrong if the communication is off. It doesn't matter what your sexual preference is. I do think that, well, okay, first what I wanted to say is monogamy is so ingrained in our culture. There is actually a clause in the military contract that you have to be monogamous with your partner while you're active military. So (laughs) it's literally against your contract to not be monogamous with your partner, which that's fucking mind blowing. That is mind blowing. It's 2021. It is mind blowing. Um, So that is just a snippet into how far we are regulated even to a governmental extent on who we or who how many people we can have sex with Um, but another thing is I want to tell our audience that other people in the world are going to have the same sexual preferences as you. So this isn't something to settle on. Like whether you want to be polyamorous, monogamous, uh, sleep with some, be open in the way you sleep with other people, maybe bring in a third or fourth person every once in a while. Yeah. Someone is going to have your preference. So don't just assume no one will and don't speak your truth about it. This is something that's very important. 
I mean, it's I mean, very important. It, it's very important in all that you want. Like, let's say that you, you're you yeah. wanting to explore BDSM or you're wanting to explore being submissive or you're yes. wanting to explore, like, I don't know, having sex in goddamn public park. Like, I don't give a shit what it is. Yeah. But th- that stuff is important. Like, it's really, really important for you to voice and for you to notice because if you're actually lining your life up with somebody else for a long-term situation – and they're like, no, I'm not interested in doing these like risky sexual adventures. And you really yeah. want risky sexual adventures? Then that is not going to be your person. Like you need. Yes, it you, won't be. It's so important. <laughs> it is important, and it's also important to read how someone reacts to your situation. Mm-hmm. If you're starting out in a relationship and you say to someone like, "Hey, I potentially think in the future, like I would want to sleep with other part," if people go oh my God, that's disgusting. You would want to sleep with someone else. If they're completely yucking what you believe is a yum, which yes. I love when Lauren says that, I'm not going <laughs> to yuck your yum. Yeah. Um, that's, you really need to have some like hardcore internal dialogue about that because to me, that seems like a situation where they're not interested at all. Right. Um, it, and to use another example, if you if you approach that same situation and your partner thinks like, okay, well, that's not something we've ever talked about, but yeah, I guess in the future I would be open to having that kind of conversation is a completely different response. Like your partner, you and your partner don't have to be exactly on the same page in the first place, but it's really important that you're able to have that type of conversation without someone shaming you for what you want sexually. Totally. Does that make sense? (laughs) Yes. It does make sense. And I, I guess one more thing I want to say is that I just want to make sure this is kind of the same thing in your healing journey, how when you're healing, you can't expect everyone to be healing. Also, Mm. when you're on your own sexual path, you can't expect everyone to be on it with you. So you also don't have the right to start shaming people for being monogamous if that's what they want to do any type of style that fits what's happening in someone's heart is what's right for them. Mm -hmm. So maybe that's not your partner or your family member or whatever, but there's no convincing someone of what they need to do sexually. Like that's coming from internally. So don't push it on people. You can openly have conversations about it. And like we're doing now, just open the conversation with other people around you. But if others have a different opinion, it's none of your fucking business if they decide to not be open or if they are open, you know? Yeah. And I, I want to extend that to the individual too. like, give yourself space to change your mind as well. Like, yes. I mean, (laughs) damn, like my, my perspective on this from a personal level has been in flux for years. Like I've been really on a journey of like, what is the best relationship style for me? And quite honestly, it's depended a lot on the man that I'm with. You know what I mean? Like Mm. I, if, you know, I would not have been in a relationship with Jason if I had said, Hey, you know, an open relationship isn't for me. So I was kind of in this position where I was like, okay, yeah, no, it totally is for me because I wanted to be with him at the time. Like I didn't, yeah. So, so that was an important part of my relationship with him. That is not a huge and important part of my relationship with Shane, because it's just a totally different man. It's a totally different relationship. And so, um, give yourself space to expand or to retract on things that you previously thought that you wanted, and don't rob yourself of the opportunity to try things. Because if I had not tried being in like a super open relationship. I don't know if I would have ever come back to like, hey, yeah, this is like a divine connection. I don't want to be with anybody else right now with my yeah. current partner. You know what I mean? So yes. like give yourself space to explore and also give yourself space to change your fucking mind because that might happen. Yes, I love that. I mean, I've gone through that in my, you know, current partnership, like having the conversation about being open and then right now that's not a conversation for us at all because it feels like 
I am so focused on spiritually growing and figuring out what we offer in different circumstances that right now our sexual relationship isn't as important. I guess our it, connection it together different. is what's important. So it looks different. And the best part about it is when you have those type of open conversations with your partner, you get to continue having them. Like, you get to figure out your partner on a deeper level because you get to come to compromise and you get to come to um, different discoveries based on where you are in your life. And that's the beautiful part about sexuality is it can be fleeting. <laughs> is, that the, mm-hmm. is that the word? Well, it can be, I mean, it can be, I would say it's malleable. Like it changes, yes, it moves, it's, it's not rigid. Like. It's there's no rigidity about sexuality at least in my experience. It's like it kind of just ebbs and flows as you yeah. do. Exactly. With the exception so of course I- of certain things. Like, you know, some people are like, "Nope, I'm a dom and that's all I do. I dom people." And that's what I do. Yes. And other people are like, "Yeah, sometimes I'm a dom, sometimes I'm a sub, sometimes I don't like to have sex at all." Like it it of course again, it's individualized. Yeah, and I think it always comes back to this when we have these type of conversations where it's like we're having (laughs) – Lauren and I do this all the time. We kind of go around in circles. At first, it's like, here are the type of relationships. This is the one we're going to be in. And then now, okay, now we believe heavily on this, you know. (laughs) And we kind of (laughs) just go back and forth because there are pros and cons of really every single scenario. And really what it comes down to and what I want our listeners to really think about is – what is your intuition telling you? What is the energy in your body telling you that you want? I had this conversation when I met Michael because I started realizing, oh my God, we're 23 and 24. For the rest of our lives, are we never going to have another partner? Right. And for me, that wasn't a thought in my mind. I, I needed it to to be talked about, to be discussed, because I needed to be assured that in the future we would be able to have that type of conversation. So Mm -hmm. think the same for yourself. Like really think about what you want, write down what you want. And then if you're in a long-term partnership or you're looking for a partner or you have multiple partners, just make sure it's a conversation that comes up authentically and quickly. (laughs) Well, and something that I want to say is like, if you're 100% sure that you're a polyamorous person or you're 100% sure that you're an open relationship person and you go into a, a, I see this happen a lot, which is why I'm saying this. You go into a dating scenario and you have this kind of conversation and the person's like, oh yeah, like maybe I'm open to that. Like that sounds like something that's cool. Um, Uh Take your time with that because somebody thinking that it's cool or somebody thinking that it's something they could be into is not the same thing as somebody wanting that. Yeah. It's not the same thing. So, you know, Mm -hmm. I, I actually just had a conversation with a friend today. Um, and he's like, yeah, we broke up because turns out she wasn't, wasn't an open relationship person after all. And it's so funny because I, I could have told him that, eight months ago, you know, but it is part of the journey. And also just, I guess, trusting that any situation you have like that gets you closer to your truth. But yeah, you need to be able to authentically express and not expect other people, even if you really want them to be in an open relationship with you. Some people are just not going to be open. Some people just aren't. Yeah. Just like some people just are not going to be monogamous. So no matter how much you love them and want them to be, they might just be like, yeah, hey, I'm so sorry. It's not for me. And it can, it can um, save you a lot of pain if you're upfront at the beginning about what you really want. I could mm-hmm. not agree anymore. And also, um, I guess – kind of one last thing. I think we've covered this pretty well. I do want to say one last thing. If you're in a long-term relationship and you're starting to hear, you know, stuff like this podcast or reading posts and you're starting to really, the wheels are turning and you're like, oh shit, I feel like I want that type of thing. Before, and we say this all the time, before you bring your truth to your partner, recognize that you speaking your truth is allowing for them to speak their truth as well. And you need Mm -hmm. to 
give that person time. Going to your long-term partner and saying all of a sudden you want a different type of sexual relationship can be really jarring. Yes. Especially if it wasn't a conversation you've had before. So allow yourself uh, time to really set your intentions about how you want to bring it up. Maybe journal about it. Sit with yourself. Think about what you want. And when you're talking to your partner, just give them time to process. <laughs> yes. Because that can be a lot. Yes, it can be. Yeah. I agree. I mean, it, it can bring up a lot of different emotions. Yeah. Yeah. yeah so, yeah, yeah, I can. Um, <laughs> Yeah, yeah, it totally can. It can bring up a lot of things. Um, I think. (laughs) I feel like that's a really good part one. We are going to post a QA and a as well as just please feel free to DM us or on either our personal accounts or our podcast page with any questions you have about this. Yep. Because Lauren's been in a couple different styles. I've had conversations about it. I think this would be a really fun Q&A episode to do. I think this episode, we've had so much content. We're going to skip listener questions for today because Lauren sort of already answered one throughout the content. And it's time for us to go. It's time for us to go. (laughs) It is time for us to go. (laughs) Episode number nine. Thank you all so much. I just want to remind everyone, it really helps us when you rate and subscribe to any of our podcast streaming sites or YouTube. So please go on there, hit that five-star button. If you like it, <laughs> uh, leave a comment if you would like. We would love to hear back from you guys. Um, send us DMs with any of your questions. Please don't forget to follow us on Instagram at The Den Mothers is our podcast page. And at She Wolf Lauren and at Camille Misbach are our individual pages where we announce some exciting stuff as well as podcast releases too. So thank you so much. Happy September. We love you all so much. We love you.